Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, the show dedicated to the private investor, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. We want to show you how to cross the divide from residential investing over to commercial property investing. Through interviews, tips and lessons learnt, we share experiences of investing and give you the inspiration, knowledge and confidence to enjoy this great cash flowing strategy. So let's get started. Hello, hello, welcome back and welcome to new listeners of the podcast. We talk about all sorts of commercial property options, but in the main about commercial property investing for cash flow, buying property to do it up to rent it out for the income. Our go-to is not commercial to residential conversion, just putting that out there. The sector that most of my company operates in is flex space. We offer workspace on a flexible contract basis for businesses, large and small, through our operating business called Liberty Space. And we've been doing that for about 18 years. Our process is effectively to take on challenged, forgotten commercial property, redevelop it to suit modern requirements, and then let the space out through our operating business. Simple, right? Now, lots has changed in the industry in that time, particularly through technology-inspired changes, but also work habits, which in part are due to technological advances and also just some of the stuff we've been through in the last few years. So there is a slant on this podcast towards this really exciting growth area of commercial property, the flex space, but to balance that, we will continue to bring on guests who are employing different strategies to our own. Now to today's podcast, I was at a great event in London earlier this week and I appreciate that all of you made it there. So I'm going to share some of the insights from that day. It was a big reinforcement of why Flexbase is such an exciting industry to be in and that this sector of commercial real estate is ever expanding. Now the event itself was hosted by a software company called Office R&D, who we actually use for our client management. And it was at a venue in Shoreditch, London, called The Loading Bay. The space itself was about 2,000 square foot where the event was, within a bigger property run by a flex space provider called TechSpace. Now, I just love looking at other spaces. There's design ideas, the creativity that others have used, the utilisation of the space, that square footage to make sure they can maximise it. All these things are really interesting to observe in other buildings. I don't know if you're like me, but I just love looking at other spaces. And there was lots of clever design in this space that I just want to talk about, because if you think about it, it was a former delivery loading bay, and they developed into a really cool space. It really was a pretty dark space originally, with roller shutter doors, a high height to get vehicles in, and different heights of floor levels so that you could back up a truck 
and immediately pull pallets on and off for the lorry. So there was two different heights. And what they did was, I think they probably put in a new concrete floor, to be honest, but it was a polished concrete floor, no carpets, lots of light because they put a light screen behind the roller shutter. They'd opened that up and then put in um, glazing to allow a lot more light in through that space, but still had the shutter there to anchor it back to where the space was originally used. The walls, the perimeter walls, were, were bare brick, concrete. Some were painted, some weren't. There was a concrete ceiling. Now, they put in baffle boards to absorb sound, which really worked well, and the services were all exp um, exposed, which is something that we're used to seeing these days. But I just thought it was a clever use of old versus sort of more modern. So what they were doing was very good tech, some pretty um, interesting use of, as I say, the baffle boards and colour, to try and modernise the space. But the things that really made a difference was exceptionally good tech, as I say, plants, so greenery, and introducing more light. Those were the things that I think made the big difference. So the actual furnish furnishings were good quality. And what that does is it just lifts the, the expectation. When you're looking around the original space, obviously it's all cleaned up and tidy, but it still harks back to how it was as a loading bay. So I just think it's a fascinating use of space. And of course, there were two floor heights. So how do you deal with that? And they, they did it really well. They had the kind of conference area on the lower area where the lorries would have come in and coffee and breakout space on the upper area overlooking. And they had a couple of air conditioning cassettes in there just to keep the temperature just right, which it really did. So I really like that space. Um, and, and I'm, I've taken some inspiration for some of the spaces that we have. It's just so good to go out and look at different people's spaces, but also, of course, to catch up with people. So catching up with old friends from the industry, people I've known for, for over 10 years, and of course, to meet new friends. That's what these events are so much about. And networking and sharing industry experience is such an uplifting thing. It raises your game, your knowledge, and inspires you to do better and grow. So in this episode, I want to share some of the insights that I picked up during the day. And I want to share my own reflections on the general chat because there was a theme and I'm not 100% agreeing with the theme. But in no particular order, here's my brain dump from an excellent day. Just a few things that I picked up that I think are worth sharing. Now, the main theme was that companies and more importantly, employees were permanently moving to hybrid working. So... What is hybrid working? Well, there's actually quite a lot of different views on that. Is it, for instance, working from home most of the time and some office days? Is it working at home and some local office days, i.e. going to an office that's maybe a co-work or something that's locally um, based, but not actually going into head office? Or is it all at home? Is it quarterly meetings at different locations? There's just so many variables. The office for some companies, is becoming more of a collaboration hub, the, the cultural hub of the business. It needs to be able to attract staff in, at least for right now. The consensus, I guess, is that things have changed and employees have the power. Now, I agree with that, but where I differ is I don't think that power will be there forever. Some people um, feel that the industry's changed forever. People are going to be working from home. They're going to be going into hybrid, whatever that form takes. And that we're going to be staying there. And I think that 
the pendulum has swung. Employees do have more um, strength in where they want to work and, uh, I guess, a preference to how they work. And employers, to attract employees, are finding that they maybe have to do that. And some organisations, of course, have embraced it and have a structure and, um, I guess, an output, a product they produce or a service that will allow that quite easily. And I think the thing about this is there's loads of nuances. But if you think about a lawyer practice or an accountancy firm, it's all very well if in your if you're in your mid forties, you've been in the industry for a while, you've got great connections, you totally understand what you're doing, and it's something that can be done from anywhere. But if you're new to that industry, how are you going to learn from other people if you're working from home? How are you going to learn about the nuances of dealing with customers, those phone calls, those challenges? It's really difficult. If you're new into that industry, there's so much that you soak up by being around other people. And not being around other people means that you're not going to get that education. So I think it does depend on what sector you're in. And there will definitely be some exceptions to the rule. But my belief is that in time, the power will shift back. Some of these larger corporates, which is kind of more what I'm talking about right now, some of these larger corporates at the moment are really fighting for employees. But what happens if jobs start going the other way and there's not quite so many for employees? Think about it. When jobs are on the line, where will employees want to be? Will they want to be seen by the boss or will they want to be working from home? And, and we've talked about this before in terms of the energy consumption at home and the costs. And that may be driving people back to the office. But it's just going to be interesting how those dynamics work out. I don't think this is a permanent thing. I think there's going to be a continuous blend, and there has been a blend before COVID, but this is certainly, COVID certainly um, emphasised, pushed forward that, 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 that trend. But I don't think it's as clear cut as everybody's going to be doing hybrid, everybody's going to be working from home and from the office in a mix. There will definitely be more of that. But it will be interesting to see when economies contract, how that is then perceived. Just my viewpoint. Anyway, tech has allowed all this sort of thing to happen. Before the technology was there, it was difficult for people to work from home. And now we have that option. And it's getting better all the time, isn't it? But also how, how people book space. So if we go back to hybrid and just say for a second that companies, certain sizes of companies, will be looking more at people working at home. Um, but when they attract them back to the office, it's for that collaboration, that cultural element. So the type of space they'll be looking for might be different. They might not necessarily be looking for a row of 50 desks. They might be looking for some touchdown space for people to work and book desks. So I'm going to come on to the booking in a second. But also collaboration spaces, meeting rooms, inspiring spaces, small breakout areas for people to have those one-to-one -one times. It's much more about design and the layout of that space so that that can work, hybrid can work, rather than people coming in just to sit down at their desk. That's not going to be the same for every company, but it's definitely a move in the larger companies towards that. We've certainly recognised that in some of the inquiries that we've been having and in some of the lettings we've been getting. So an interesting element of this is how will booking a space work for customers? How will it work for you? and ourselves as providers for us at Liberty Space. So platforms like Liquid Space, 
who are um, combining some of their efforts with Office R&D can help with allowing customers to book space on a daily basis, but also customers within their own organizations booking space within the space that you provide. So those aggregators like Liquid Space will allow that to happen, but of course they will also control the data. And there are more and more platforms appearing for that type of um, space booking. We, for instance, at the moment have now in place the ability for a customer to, in fact, a brand new customer, to book up a space, pay for it there online and turn up the following day with internet access, etc., all done without interactions with our staff until that point of when they come in. I'll come back to that in a little bit. So there's different ways of booking space that are coming to the fore and you need to have a look at platforms that are allowing that to happen or at least keep an eye on them. But as I say, the tech stuff, the laptops, the Wi-Fi, door security, smartphones, clever software such as Office R&D all help to make that happen seamlessly, at least for the customer anyway. So some other market observations from the event. There's a big uptick in the number of lease clients, so that's people or businesses that are in leases, looking to change over to license flex space. That flow is increasing. So I had a few conversations with people about that. And certainly bearing in mind that the conference was in London, there was definitely a London-centric thing going on there. But nevertheless... What they were finding was more and more people were coming into the industry as customers from the more traditional leased space because they're attracted by all the benefits of flex space and a flexible offering. Land securities were there. They were represented by Natasha Morris, who looks after their serviced office brand. So land securities, for any of you that don't know, are a very large um, company that own a lot of real estate. They traditionally do long leases, invest in large developments where they have a long-term play. But, I'm sorry, their serviced office brand is called Myo, M-Y-O. But interestingly, Natasha made a really interesting comment about Landsec. She said, we didn't want to be out front by getting into serviced office space, but we didn't want to get left behind. It wasn't innovation, it was more of a necessity. Interesting. And Landsec aren't the only ones who are moving more into the flexible market. A a comment I have to say is everybody saying, we need more phone booths, we need more phone booths. These are the the well-soundproofed stand-up spaces where people can go in and use them for, obviously, for the phone. But they're also used for um, Zoom calls, Google Meet calls, all those different things where you've got a quiet space, you're still within a a more of a shared office, I guess, or a co-work, but there's the ability to nip into space to make those private calls. It was interesting that everybody's needing more phone booths. They're all getting filled up. Client private spaces are continuing to contract. Another interesting thing, whilst communal areas are increasing. We've touched on this in the podcast before, but client spaces private spaces, the amount of space that clients are needing are continuing to contract from where they were. Not that people are asking for smaller and smaller spaces overall, it's just that the size of space that clients used to have is reducing 
because they're utilizing the communal areas, which means that the client private space is going up in value, it's costing more per square foot because of the additional use of these communal areas. So example I've used before, a client might want, might have a team of 10, but they only need a private space for five. So they take a space for five people. But if you're clever about how you're promoting your space, you might do it more as, as we've been doing in, in Dundee, not to say we're clever, but just basically we've been doing everything as memberships, which allows us to sell that customer who has 10 staff that they need 10 memberships. It's just that part of that is a private office that gives them access for five, and they can use our business lounge for expansion on the days when all 10 are in, which happens. So effectively, it means that they book their own desks in their own space, and they're not always in all the time because obviously they're doing more of a hybrid thing, which is why they're looking for a smaller space. But when they are all in, they need somewhere to work. So that's where the communal areas comes in. And this is a trend that is um, growing in the industry. Now, a lot of lettings, interesting statistic that was mentioned by a couple of um, office providers, a lot of lettings are expansions. So that's existing customers who are taking on more staff and seeking extra space. That's not unusual in the industry, but it was quite a high percentage. Um, Simon Eastlake, who was there, he mentioned 50% of their lettings over the summer were expansions. So that was quite interesting from customers who are looking to grow in the amount of space that they currently have. Lots of providers are full, by the way, and seeking more space to let out, i.e., the serviced office operators, the flex space operators are full, those that are running well, and they're needing more buildings. So that's where demand is right now. Uh, exciting. Tuesdays to Thursdays are the new working week. <laughs> so <laughs> what do I mean by that? Um, it's interesting. Some of the operators are saying that basically on a Monday and a Friday, everything is very quiet. The people that are using the office, the hybrid office, whatever, are coming in Tuesday to Thursday. What's the ramification of that? Well, think about it in terms of your offer and your services and your facilities. You need to be able to adapt to suit that kind of feast and famine. The meeting rooms are crammed and booked out during the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The Monday, Friday are quieter. Interesting how that starts to affect your cost base and how you it's a bit more like um, the hospitality industry where you're just trying to work out right when are the customers likely to come in so I can staff accordingly and there it does seem to be unlike hospitality at the moment there does seem to be uh, crystallizing of when people are needing the space and that seems to be Tuesday to Thursday now they're supposedly working from home of course on Monday and Friday it just happens to wrap around the weekend but that's the way it is right now there was lots of chat on ESG at this um, conference. So that's the environmental, social and governance element. And more mid-tier companies, not just corporates, are asking about ESG. When you're providing space, particularly to the corporates, now think about this, even though I talk about this from a private investor point of view, I'm not some huge or we're not some huge office service to office company that's in international markets, fundamentally, 
we are looking at investing in property to generate cash flow and income for our business and for our family. That's what I'm doing this for. However, and what I don't want to do is talk on this podcast about huge corporate businesses being our customers and that clearly we've got massive commercial buildings to do that. There will be some of you that have, and that's fantastic. But for us, as a smaller company with seven or eight locations, you know, we we don't have a huge corporate uh, fan base. We don't have a huge corporate customer base. However, what is interesting is more and more of the customers that are coming into our private single-person spaces and our co-works are working for corporate companies. So this is where it does start having an impact on you and I. Because if that corporate company has a specific set of environmental, social and governance rules that they operate by, they are starting to ask service office, co-working providers, what are your environmental, social and governance credentials? So it is going to it is making a difference with lettings um, in the city, but it will start making a difference for you or I. So the difference it's making with lettings in the city is the if if uh, let me give you an example. Um, if your EPC rating is under E, for instance, or a D, you might have a challenge. It might be if they're comparing you with somebody else who provides exactly the same service. I appreciate you'll think yours is superior, but you're providing the same service. But one or two of these environmental, social and governance um, factors start coming in, then that might be enough for them to make a decision to go elsewhere. So, it, And it's also affecting things like finance. So we, we've recently been going through refinance and we've been asked for an EPC of E or above. And if we don't have that, we don't get the finance. Now, that's not unusual for some of you, I know. But this is something as private investors we're going to have to think about. And if you're trying to attract more corporate customers, or at least their employees, because you're recognising a hybrid is definitely an opportunity for you, you just have to think about some of those questions that they're going to be asking because their environmental, social and governance criteria is going to affect the choices they make in their supply chain. And you're, you and I are hopefully going to be in that supply chain. So that's something that, I mean, we're going to try and delve into that more in the podcast, right, in the future. But it's just something to be aware of. Maybe you are already, of course. Another reflection when listening to the general conversation was that as tech improves, our service and facility levels are improving, right, because tech is making those things work better, more seamlessly. I think we're going to see more of a divergence in our operations, so let, let me let me give you um, a bit more thought on that. So basically, I think there's going to be two key fundamental areas for our operations delivery going forward. And these aren't new in, in themselves, but I think the, the delineation between them is going to get wider. So there's the implementation of the complex tech. Some of that stuff that makes our lives far easier but it needs implemented and it needs maintained and that's challenging. So I think that is going to need a smaller team than the past, but it's definitely going to need a team to deliver the implementation of the complex tech. 
And then the second part, of course, is our front of house, our hospitality. And that's going to need to be at a superior level. So I think one side, delivering operations through the tech stuff is going to need um, a strong team, maybe a smaller team that has in the past. And it may be that team is remote and not fixed. And then the second element is our hospitality as providers. I think the level, the level is going to need to keep increasing if you want to stay ahead of the pack. Because this industry is still minute compared with the overall leased space in commercial. But it is growing. Competition and more and more competition is coming in. So you just have to think about how you're going to differentiate yourself. And if you're on the front end of this, then you're going to benefit more from that growth. So finally, those are just my reflections from the day, right? And we'll try and dip into a few of them on later episodes. But finally, being in the swim really helps. Make sure you're getting out to events and draw on the energy to grow yourself and your business. I just think that these things are really, really important. They're less tangible, but it's such an exciting industry to be in right now. And I know that these comments may be tainted by my own bias, of course, and you need to take that with a pinch of salt. But it's such an exciting industry to be in right now. If you want to grow um, into this sector, then you need to get out and meet other people that are doing it. Lock into information sources where you can grow your knowledge of how this industry is developing. And the technical side I was talking about there, the implementation of that, that's going to be critical. And we don't know what we don't know. So you've got to get out and find these things out for yourself and try and pull in what's going to work best for you. And the problem, of course, is there's more and more complicated tech options coming out and there's more and more providers, which in of itself is brilliant because there's more options. But it's like choices of paint. If you've got too many choices of grey, which shade do you pick? <laughs> it can be quite difficult. So you need to try and get yourself or we need to try and get ourselves some good advisors and get out in the swim and find other people that are already doing this stuff. Oh, and I have to share this with you. One attendee at this conference confirmed they are charging their service space, so it's a serviced office space, and I hope you're sitting down, £300 per square foot. That's how much they're charging. Unbelievable. That's London prices for you, but £300 a square foot. So there's a target for you. <laughs> so just to finish off, I want to just post this question here. Um, am I scared or excited about the future right now? Well, as you heard, I'm really excited about the opportunities in service space and flex space. Am I nervous about the challenges we're facing as an economy right now or in the near future? Well, of course I am. But some of the choices governments make can be far-reaching and completely out of my control. <laughs> so whatever way you look at it, disruption and opportunity are bedfellows. We can't really have one without the other. So let's embrace it for what it is. There's going to be disruption. There's definitely going to be opportunity. So you need to get in the swim, be really observant of what's happening and what the changes or how those changes can affect the business opportunities. And we need to keep a clear head. I know I use that phase a lot to get out in the swim. It's so important though, and we can help with that. Join us through our Facebook group or our membership program 
so that you can get in the swim. And we've some really exciting changes to be revealed over the coming weeks, not right now. But suffice to say, if you want to be kept up to date on how we can provide help, those swimming lessons, if you will, then get in touch and add your name to our newsletter lists. Right, I've got to go. Speak to you again very soon. Hi there, I hope you're enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast. And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be a first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.